This is Keith Bottles and Carson Hans from the Dripping Springs High School, and today in our podcast, we will be discussing some endangered animals. We are doing this podcast as a part of our environmental science class, and we will be discussing African elephants, Atlantic bluefin tuna, American bison, and snow leopards. We chose this topic because we wanted to bring some awareness to these endangered animals that if we don't continue to help them, could disappear forever. The first endangered animal that we will be talking about is the African elephant. According to the World Wildlife Fund, African elephants are the world's largest land animal. They can range from central to southern Africa. The largest African elephants can be 24 feet long and almost 11 feet tall, weighing in at over six tons. The World Wildlife Fund tells us that the trunk that extends from the elephant's head is actually an extension of the upper lip and nose. Elephants use their trunk for communication and handling other objects such as food and water. African elephants are most popularly known for their large tusks that can reach up to 250 pounds of ivory. Elephants use their tusks to defend against predators, dig for food, and fight other elephants. Another very noticeable feature of elephants, specifically the African elephant, is their very large ears. They use their ears to cool themselves down by increasing blood flow, which allows excess heat to radiate off. The more they flap their ears, the hotter it is outside. There are actually two subspecies of African elephants present in Africa. There is the larger savanna elephants and the smaller sized forest elephant. Savanna elephants are the larger are larger than forest elephants and their tusks curve outwards. In addition to being smaller, forest elephants are darker and their tusks are straighter and downward pointing. According to Elephants for Africa, elephants have a very complex social structure and it is mostly comprised of females and their calves. Males almost always live by themselves, though occasionally they will form small groups. In the savanna subspecies, each family unit usually contains about 10 individuals. Although several family units may join together to form a clan consisting of up to 70 members led by a female. Forest elephants live in a smaller family unit, and elephants have an average lifespan of around 70 years. Since the 1960s, African elephant numbers have decreased drastically. This is mainly due to the illegal ivory trade and the belief that ivory holds medicinal and spiritual powers in both Africa and Asia. In the 1970s, there were 1.3 million elephants. Now there are only an estimated 400,000 left. A study done by the University of Washington shows that physiological measures of stress and reproduction were also consistent with the disruptive effects of poaching. Stress levels were highest in groups that lacked an old matriarch, had few closely related adult females, and a weak social bond. Stress was particularly high in groups still ranging in areas where poaching was historically high, areas near villages furthest from park headquarters and in the peak of poaching. Females from genetically disrupted groups, many in their reproductive prime, also had fewer young calves. Results of this study bear directly on this controversy. The length of time required to recover from extensive poaching detected in our study suggests that African elephants 
have had insufficient time to recover from the 60% poaching-related decline of the 1980s. Thus, the impacts of renewed illegal trade in the ivory industry or culling as a means of population control in this highly intelligent, tightly knit social species may be far more grave than predicted by economic models alone. This basically means that because of the stress poaching has put on elephants, they aren't able to reproduce as quickly as they have in the past. According to the World Wildlife Fund, despite the ban on ivory trade, tens of thousands of elephants are killed yearly. In the 1980s, an estimated 100,000 elephants were being killed per year, and up to 80% of herds were lost in some regions. Insufficient anti-poaching capacity, weak law enforcement, and corruption undermine efforts to stop the poaching and trafficking in some countries. Most elephant habitats still extend outside protected areas, and the rapid growth of human populations and the extension of agriculture into rangelands and forests formerly considered unsuitable for farming mean that elephant habitats is continuing to be lost. Elephants sometimes raid farmers' fields and damage their crops, affecting the farmers' livelihoods, and may even kill people. Elephants are sometimes killed in retaliation. The story I'll read next I found on smithsonian.com. It, de it details a story about a horrible elephant poaching event in Africa. The story, the race to stop Africa's elephant poachers. The call came in to Gary Roberts last March at his home in Beret, a village of subsistence farmers deep in the sorghum and cotton fields of southern Chad. Reports were circulating, a local conservationist told him, that a mass killing of elephants had occurred some 100 miles away near the Cameroon border. Roberts, a 36-year-old, a Seventh-day Adventist missionary, experienced bush pilot and amateur conservationist who sometimes flies research missions for Chad's wildlife department, climbed into his single-engine four-seat Cessna. He took off from the mission's dirt airstrip and headed north towards the border. Roberts cruised for three hours over a vast green carpet, low-lying brush, sorghum fields, and stands of acai broken by an occasional dirt road or cattle trail. I didn't have any coordinates. No one knew exactly where it was, he recalls. He grew up in the Congo's remote north Kivu province, the son of another Adventist missionary, and spent nearly his whole life in Central Africa. So I'm flying at 500 feet, looking for anything unusual. As he passed over blackened scrub west of the town of Finang, the results of a controlled burn to, sell, to create arable land, Roberts noticed elephant tracks, hundreds of them, in the charred soil. He dipped his plane lower and followed the tracks to a clearing. It was then that he saw the first pile of bones. Roberts counted the skeletons of between 15 and 20 elephants. The remains were fresh. You could see the moisture in the ground from blood, he says. Hungry villagers had already swarmed over the corpses, stripping their meat. Even the animal's skin was gone, taken to fashion grisgris or totems for an animist ceremonies. A few hundred yards from the first site, Roberts came upon a second heap of bones, then a third and a fourth. Twenty, thirty animals at a time had gone down. It was terrible, Roberts says. The pilot estimated that 120 elephants had been killed here. The government would later put the total at 86. The sole survivor of the massacre 
Roberts would learn was a nine-week-old calf captured by villagers, roped to a tree and taunted day and night by the village boys. Roberts tracked down the location, drove there, and loaded the weakened and traumatized orphan into the back of the pickup truck. He then drove several hours to the landing strip where he had parked his Cessna. After an all-night vigil, he used a container of milk to lure the elephant onto his plane, flew to his mission, and tried to nurse the calf back to health. He saw his whole family murdered, then ran around looking for his mother, then was tortured and abused for a week, says Roberts, who even inserted a tube into the baby's stomach to force-feed him. The emotional condition of an elephant like that, it just shuts down. The elephant whom he named Max died after 10 days in Robert's care. The next endangered animal that we will be talking about is the American bison. The American bison are the symbolic animal of the Great Plains because of how they rule, used to rule the land and area of the Great Plains, but have since been cut down greatly in the population numbers based on info from National Geographic. Bison stand from five to six and a half feet from the ground to their shoulder and have a thick brown coat that insulates them from the cold temperatures and snow. While they are very large in size, with males usually weighing around or over 2,000 pounds, they are very quick and fast on their hooves, reaching 40 miles per hour when they run. The males and females run in separate herds from each other, but all meet up to mate once a year, and after a nine-month pregnancy, the new calves are born. The American bison used to be vital in the Great Plains, creating a substantial food source for predators and the Indians, and they were also good for soil and plant growth. At one time, millions of bison roamed the Great Plains, but in the 19th century, about 50 million of these animals were purged for meat and fur to sell, bringing their numbers down to the low thousands. The defenders of the wildlife say that in the 1800s, fewer than 1,000 bison remained in the United States, and that even 140 years later, they aren't in perfect shape. Great efforts were being made through a lot of the 90s to restore this lost national treasure, and conservation efforts continue today. According to the defenders of the wildlife, the bison are a keystone species for the Great Plains environment, helping create a livable habitat for many different species of birds and also many plant species in the Great Plains. Their hooves aerate the soil when they walk, helping promote plant growth throughout the area and disperse different plant seeds all around the ground with their huge, dense hides. All of this helps keep the Great Plains a healthy, balanced ecosystem. The defenders are very active in the bison's environment in the Great Plains to help conserve these animals and to help conserve their lands. They support conservation in both public and private land and are even doing great work in tribal land. They also continue to support reserves in Montana and other reserves around the Great Plains. Efforts are being made to help bison not only coexist with humans in national parks like Yellowstone, but are also being made to allow these bison to live in a natural, in as natural an environment as possible, allowing them to thrive. Herding and hunting on the bison is being heavily regulated by the defenders, allowing the bison to consistently go up in numbers without interruption or delay. With these efforts and continued financial aid for organizations like the defenders, the American bison may be able to rise back into their former glory as one of America's most abundant animals. 
The next endangered animal that we will be talking about is the Atlantic bluefin tuna. National Geographic says that Atlantic bluefin tuna are the largest and most endangered species of tuna in the world. Atlantic bluefins are warm-blooded, a rare trait among fish, and are comfortable in the cold waters off of Newfoundland and Iceland, as well as the tropical waters of the Gulf of Mexico and the Mediterranean Sea, where they go each year to spawn. They are among the most ambitiously migratory of all fish, and some tagged specimens have been tracked swimming from North America to Europe several times a year. One of the websites I found, Oceana.org, says that females can lay millions of eggs at a time, and when hatched, tuna are only a few millimeters long and weigh only a few hundredths of a gram. Within three to five years, individuals reach lengths of three feet and are sexually mature. The tuna has a torpedo-like body that helps it accelerate quickly through the water and catch its prey. They even have the ability to, to tuck in their fins into slots which help reduce drag when they are swimming through the water. Tuna are known to reach speeds up to 43 miles per hour in the water and they are prized by fishermen for their endurance and fight when hooked up. Their voracious appetite and varied diet pushes their average size to a whopping 6.5 feet in length and 550 pounds, although much larger specimens are not uncommon. Their average lifespan is about 15 years. Tuna's diet mainly consists of smaller fish, crustaceans, squid, and eels. The largest tuna ever recorded was an Atlantic bluefin caught off Nova Scotia that weighed 1,496 pounds. A huge market for the prized fish in foreign markets in Japan and China is what fuels the continuous hunt for these endangered fish. However, in the 1970s, demand and prices for large bluefins soared worldwide, particularly in Japan, and commercial fishing operations found new ways to find and catch these sleek giants. This has resulted in the number of large breeding-ready fish to decline drastically. National Geographic says that most expensive tuna was sold in 2012 at a Japanese fish market, with the 593-pound fish selling for $736,000. Sailorsforthesea.org states that the International Commission for the Conservation of Atlantic Tunas, or ICCAT, was set up in 1966 to manage the fishing of tuna and other similar species in the entire Atlantic Ocean and to address other species taken in Atlantic tuna fisheries, including sharks. However, this organization has failed to protect tuna and has been described as an international disgrace. Overfishing continues to threaten all species of tuna, especially the Atlantic tuna. December 2, 2014 marked a historical milestone for management of bluefin tuna. NOAA Fisheries issued a strong and balanced final rule for protecting these giants of the ocean while keeping fishermen on the water. Beginning in January 2015, the new rule helped stop Western Atlantic bluefin from unnecessarily dying on surface longlines fishing gear that is intended primarily for yellowfin tuna and swordfish, but indiscriminately kills bluefin and other species. This was reported by PewTrusts.org. We did find another article on NPR.org that argued that the bluefin tuna weren't as endangered as people thought. 
The 10 co-authors, most of whom are scientists with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, say that they've all but confirmed that bluefin tuna spawn in an area of the Atlantic Ocean previously suspected but not known to be a breeding ground. Not only that, the tuna spawning in this area off the Atlantic coast are much younger and smaller than the age and size at which it was previously believed the fish become sexually immature, according to the scientists. This, their paper claims, would make the western Atlantic bluefin tuna less vulnerable to overexploitation and extinction than is currently estimated. According to Oceana.org, the study is controversial. Several tuna researchers warned that the results were, are early and it's much too soon to use them to guide how fisheries are managed. While the Atlantic bluefin was formerly common in the Black Sea and off the coast of Brazil, it has not been over-observed in significant numbers in either of those places for several decades. As a result of these and other losses, the Atlantic bluefin tuna has experienced the largest range contraction of any open ocean species. Early indications imply that recent strong management regulations may be allowing populations to rebound, but continued conservation and management efforts are required to ensure that more subpopulations are not lost. There is even a TV show that follows some bluefin tuna fishermen who fish out of Gloucester, Massachusetts. The TV show Wicked Tuna highlights the struggle that it takes to be a successful bluefin tuna fisherman in today's times. With the quota of tuna getting smaller and the population shrinking, these fishermen are finding it harder to catch larger keeper tunas that can support their families and crew. The last endangered animal that we are going to be talking about is the snow leopard. According to the Snow Leopard Trust in Seattle, Washington, the snow leopard's estimated population ranges from around 4,000 to 7,500 remaining in the world. But these numbers are in decline due to loss of habitat, prey, conflicts with poaching, and illegal trade. It may be hard to believe, but one snow leopard is killed per day. A lot of these kills are from local farmers and herders who are retaliating against the leopards because this is their only way of living. In their natural environment, snow leopards thrive whenever they are protected or unbothered by humans. In fact, according to the World Wildlife Foundation, snow leopards are vital to their environment, keeping populations down as the top predator. So when snow leopards thrive, all the other organisms thrive. Snow leopards have learned to live in some of the harshest environments in the world. They rule the mountaintops of Asia, being found in China, Bhutan, Nepal, India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Russia, and Mongolia, and are feared predators of sheep, ibex, hares, marmots, and pikas. According to Monaga Bay, snow leopards were in the IUCN endangered list species list until 1986 and have since been moved to the vulnerable list, but their numbers are still going down due to habitat loss and degradation, loss of prey, poaching, etc., Despite the IUCN putting the leopards on the vulnerable list, scientists and conservationists still push for more conservation efforts towards these leopards. Scientists like Peter Zoller and Chardut Mishira still question the IUCN's reasoning for taking the snow leopards off the endangered species list, claiming that with motion cameras, drones, and GPS collars, these animals aren't any better off than they were before when they were taken off the list in 1986. Mishra proclaims that there is still too little known 
of these animals to be able to make a judgment towards the snow leopard situation. Also, according to Monica Bay, while it is very difficult to track and record information on these animals, some successes have been recently reported in the fight to save snow leopards, reporting that with investments in conservation, anti-poaching efforts, and awareness programs are credited to help and may continue to help in the future if kept up and regulated. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We hope you learned something about these endangered animals. Continued support from people like you will help keep these species alive.